0: This evening we have the honor to have a special guest speaker. But before I give the floor over to that person, I would like to uh, offer a few reflections on this evening's gospel. Uh, I don't remember if last week was the 4.30 or the 9 and 11, but last weekend's gospel and this weekend's gospel build one upon the other. Last weekend I spoke about in my homily how we need to begin with the end in mind right? if it was the 430 some of you might remember right begin with the end in mind and I had taken that second habit from Stephen Covey's book seven habits of highly effective people and the gospel passage last weekend was about the rich man who has this incredible harvest and his um granaries are completely full So what he does is he tears everything down in order to build bigger ones to store an even bigger harvest, right? And the center of the gospel message was that he was doing so without having any idea of what the goal, what the end would be, right? And therefore, I mentioned Stephen Covey's second habit. We need to begin with the end in mind. Well, my dear brothers and sisters... This weekend's gospel is about someone who began with the end in mind, but then forgot. This weekend's gospel is about, it's not enough. Yes, we do need to begin with the end in mind, and that's so important, that's essential, but it's not enough. We need to begin with the end, with the goal in mind, but also continue throughout our life journey keeping the end in mind right this evening's gospel passage we have the case of a master who goes off to wedding feast and i'm sure he told his servants right make sure you're ready upon my arrival so you can open up the door for me right and i will come in and i will wait upon you and i will serve you so the servants the master leaves the servants have very clear what the end is what the goal is the master is going to return But what happens? As time goes by, they lose interest and they forget about the goal that the Master is going to return. I mentioned also last weekend how in certain circumstances, it's easy for us to keep the end in mind, the goal, right? And I gave the example of when we go on vacations, right? when it's something that we enjoy when it's something that we love it's very easy to begin with the end in mind and not only that it's very easy to be waiting for waiting to begin with the end in mind we're waiting to even set out on vacation we're counting down the days until we leave for vacation what's my point my point is that if it's hard for us to begin with the end in mind and if it's hard for us to continue keeping that end in mind then we have to ask ourselves are we excited about where we're going I think we really have to be that crudely honest with ourselves and say you know if I forget about where I'm going in life then most likely I'm not that excited about where I'm going Right? We don't set off on vacation and then forget, oh my gosh, where were we going? Was it Disney World or I I I just don't even remember anymore. Right? Have you ever had that experience? Right? Ask your kids. Have you ever had that experience with your kids where you turn around and your kids are like, Mom, well where were we going anyway? Oh, Disney World, that's right, I forgot. No. The whole Trip down to Disney World, we are excited about getting there and we have it very much on the front of our mind. How does this apply to our life? If I forget about where I'm going in life, if I forget about the Master's return, and my dear brothers and sisters, He will return. Right? The day I die, I guarantee you, you will meet him face to face. You will see him as he is. You will converse with him. If we forget about that moment that will happen in every single one of our lives, then it's because we're really not that excited about getting there. Right? That's what the virtue of hope is. I hope to one day get there. I desire to get there. One day I want to be with Jesus Christ forever. And if I find myself not having those same sentiments, if I find myself not that excited about where I'm going, about that encounter with Jesus Christ, then quite possibly it's because I don't love Him enough or my love has quite possibly grown cold. People that we deeply love are people that we want to be with and we're excited about being with them. Right, when you were dating your spouse, I don't think that you, right, shuffled your feet to the door and said, oh, I gotta go meet my girlfriend. I'll be back. No. It's like, see you, Mom. If Mom even gets that, right? It's probably two hours later. Hey, Mom, forgot to tell you, but I'm actually, you know, with my girlfriend. I'm actually with my boyfriend, et cetera, et cetera. We love to be with people that we love. You know something very interesting? And with this, I'm going to finish. Pope Benedict XVI wrote three encyclicals, right? A trilogy, kind of like the Lord of the Rings, right? And he wrote encyclicals on faith, hope, and love, right? The theological virtues, we call them. But you know something very interesting? He didn't write them in that order. He wrote about love, then hope, and finally about faith together with Pope Francis. Love, hope, and faith. Is it because our dear Holy Father, Pope Benedict, was aging and he couldn't remember the order? No. He wrote them that way on purpose. Because love comes first, then comes hope, and then comes faith. And not only does he talk about love coming first, he says we won't even begin to love somebody unless we experience ourselves as being loved. That is the beginning of it all, my dear brothers and sisters. If I have a hard time falling in love with Jesus Christ, quite possibly it's because I don't feel loved. Ask yourself, Have I experienced the love of God? Have I experienced myself as being deeply loved by God? Because if we have, then it will be easy for us to love. And when we love that person, we will hope to always be with them. We will be desiring that day when we can be with them. And if we love that person and hope to be with them one day, and we're excited about one day being with them, and that's the one thing that's on our mind throughout our life, we will be able to live by faith. This evening we have the privilege to have Teresa Phillips with us from downtown. She works downtown at the uh, Archdiocesan offices. She works in the mission office, if I'm not mistaken. This is a an initiative that happens every year all across the United States and all the dioceses, right? And it's uh, regarding the mission cooperative plan, right? It's a way for us to connect with the bigger picture to support missionary activity that's going on not only in this country but around the world. Right. So at this moment, I'd like to invite Teresa Phillips to give him our give her our full attention.
1: Thank you, Father. Thank you all for giving me a few minutes to speak with you this evening. Um, As Father said, my name is Teresa Phillips and I'm here to appeal for your support. Um, In today's gospel, Jesus talks about us being servants. The gospels talk a lot about service. um, And in the long form of today's gospel, he talks about almsgiving and the inexhaustible treasures we'll have in heaven. I know this parish has a, uh, a good practice in service and almsgiving. I know you have a lot of ministries, St. Vincent de Paul, and KFC, and Respect Life. And I applaud your twinning relationship you have in Honduras with the parishes down there. I know that twinning is a wonderful way to grow together in Christ. But I'd like today to ask you to turn a little bit east with me. Um, one of the great things about being part of a universal church is that we get to, to know and to love our brothers and sisters all over the world. And I'm here to tell you a little bit about an organization that does great work for Africa. The Africa Faith and Justice Network was created 30 years ago by religious communities, about 20 religious communities that had missionaries in Africa. And I am on the board of directors currently, so they asked me to come and raise awareness and support for their work. I became involved in AFJN through the mission office where I work um, because I lived in Africa uh, several, many Quite a few years ago in a little village in a country called Gabon. Um, It was a very formative experience for me. I'm a cradle Catholic. I attended mass in high school because I had to. I attended mass in college when I wanted to, which I have to admit was not very often. Mass was something I did out of habit and then I went to Africa and I was converted. The people with whom I lived and worked changed me. If it's possible to see faith, I saw it in Africa. And as you may know from your service work with the parish, uh, uh, people who are materially poor, are not that, that does not mean that they're also poor in faith. In fact, people who struggle often have a stronger faith than those of us who, who don't struggle as much. Um, this is the great gift of our universal church, and it's why we're all missionaries. We share our faith with our brothers and sisters, and we care about each other. When I left Africa, my mama, Mama Claudine, who is the woman who kind of adopted me, she said to me, it's now your turn, it's now your ministry to go back to the United States and bring our stories so that they can understand that we are all one family together in Christ. So that's why I'm here, in part to pay them back um, and also to give you the opportunity to be part of systemic change in Africa. I have to admit, AFJN is a little tough to appeal for because we're not the normal mission appeal organization. We don't do direct service work in Africa. Um, We are a Catholic uh, advocacy and education organization based in Washington, DC. We have a staff of three. We have a volunteer board of about 20. And we have organizations, other organizations on the ground in Africa with whom we work. And that work is done from the unique perspective of a Catholic missionary, of all the Catholic missionaries that we partner with in Africa. Uh, They tell us what they see, and then we try to address it from this side of the issue. One of the biggest problems we're working on right now is the problem of land grabbing in Africa. I don't know if you know of this, but large corporations and governments in the Northern Hemisphere will go to Africa, and they will lease um, plots of good farmable land, um, and they'll pay less per acre than the price of a cup of coffee here in the States. The trick is they'll only lease it if they agree, if the farmer agrees to 99 years. So in essence, the farmer loses the, fam- the land that has been in his family for generations for, uh, for a bit of money now. Um, there's a lot of other uh, issues that AFGN works on. They're working, um, about, they're working on issues of government corruption in Africa, but they're also working on peace building and restorative justice in the tribal cultures there. AFJN can use your prayers, and they can use your financial support. Your prayers can go straight from your lips to God's ears. Your financial support would need to go into the little white envelopes I left in the pews today and dropped into the collection basket. This donation will support the work of this wonderful organization, whose small staff of three, an army of volunteers, work tirelessly to effect systemic, long-term, lasting change in Africa. And as you place that envelope into the collection basket today, know that you too are a missionary because some people go to give to mission by going there and some people go to mission by giving so i ask you to do that today thank you and god bless